Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I want to collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey everyone, welcome to Fat Mascara. I am Jess and today I am doing an interview, a solo interview with the incredible Dr. Harvey Karp. Now, maybe you've heard of him. He is, I'm just calling him the baby whisperer, but he is one of the most trusted pediatricians in the world and he's also a child development expert. Now you might be thinking, wait, did I stumble upon the wrong pod? What, wait, Jess, what are you doing? Is this like, is this a mom pod now? Don't worry, relax. But I've got to tell you, the impetus for this is I've been obsessed with Dr. Carp since the moment I got pregnant with Lake and everyone started talking to me about Dr. Carp, Dr. Carp. And I was like, who is Dr. Carp? He is the creator of, you may have heard of it, this thing called the Snoo. We'll talk about it. But he really is just like, 
the all-knowing baby man. He wrote The Happiest Baby on the Block, The Happiest Toddler on the Block, The Happiest Baby Got to Great Sleep. He is the... God, he has so many, he has so much credentials. I'm not going to go through all of them, but he's at the faculty of the USC School of Medicine. He's a fellow of the American Academy of Pediatrics. He's the CEO of The Happiest Baby, which is the smart tech parenting and solutions, parenting solutions company. God, he has so many credentials that I'm not going to go through them all. But basically, we are going to talk about how to cope as a parent right now especially if you have young children, and also how to deal with the fatigue of being a new parent. I have been getting some, um, I'll just say some feedback about how tired I look and um, often sometimes sound on the show. And you're not telling me anything I don't know. So I wanted to kind of unpack that a little bit and see if there's anything that we can uh, do about it. So... Dr. Carp, let's hit it. Dr. Carp. So great meeting you. Yes, Jessica, so great to talk to you. Yes, I am so happy that you're here because here's the here's the truth. I went to one of your events when I was heavily pregnant, maybe like I think I was maybe like 4 weeks before giving birth. And I was in a I was in a crowd. I asked you a question, but I really it was like being like it was like seeing the Beatles. All of these people wanted to talk <laughs> to you, and you know the, your publicist was really nice. And she said, you know, if you have a question for Doctor Carp, you know, just please, you know, just just pass it along. You know, I'll give you his. You know, you you have a hotline to him. And and I felt so lucky. I felt really privileged because you are like. I didn't know who you were before I got pregnant, but once I got pregnant, it was like Dr. Carp, Dr. Carp, Dr. Carp. And I don't mean to like blow smoke up your butt, but like I didn't know who you were before, but then it was like everyone just was saying, you know, Dr. Carp. And it was kind of like you were the snoo guy. You were the baby whisperer. You wrote the happiest baby on the block, the happiest toddler on the block. You speak toddlerese. I still not totally <laughs> sure what that is, but I, I got to look into it. But it was like you're at the baby, the baby man. Now, I figured I could call you on my own, but I figured, why don't I have you on the show? But I don't want to talk babies or toddlerese here. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about something that I think is far more pressing from in my world, which is about burnout. And exhaustion mm-hmm. and being tired. Mm-hmm. Drawn, yes. fatigued, Fatigue. sleep deprived, driving yes. into walls. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes. It is. Epi- it's one of the other epidemics. Yeah. So for our listeners here who, you know, on our show, it's not, this is not a mom pod. This is not like a baby podcast. For our listeners who are hearing this thing, like, oh my God, Jess, please don't turn fat mascara into like a baby mom pod. Relax. It's not. But if if you want to just, just come gather around, if you are feeling exhausted, and certainly if you have, this is, this is really a pod, this show is about being a parent. So just know that from the get go. And if you want to drop out, that's fine. But if you're a parent, please stay. I need to talk about this because I've gotten comments in the past, you know, since I had the baby about a year, a year and a half ago, I've gotten some comments, some mean, some some just factual, saying you sound really tired on the podcast. You sound exhausted. You sound a little sh- short. Mm-hmm. And they're not wrong. So can we just talk about, like, 
why is it so freaking hard right now? I actually didn't know that my personality would <laughs> change so much. <laughs> I think this has especially become apparent during the pandemic, right? When people are at home and they are um, the cooks, the cleaners, the teachers, the parent, the wife or partner, the instructor, the disciplinarian, there's just no parents were meant to do this. This is one of the big lies of our culture, which is that the normal parents take care of their kids. That's the normal family. But that isn't the normal family. That's an enormous lie. The only normal family is the extended family, meaning mm-hmm. that you've got your grandma and your aunt and your older sister and your cousins live next door. And your the old your next door neighbor's older daughter is mm-hmm. holding your baby more than you're holding your baby. She's coming over and say, Miss Jessica, can I hold the baby all day long? You know, and she's just <laughs> practicing being a little mother. And you're going, yeah, sure, because I'm taking care of my other four kids and I'm cooking dinner and doing the wash. Yeah. You know, so we live in a very uh, t- topsy-turvy culture that has convinced young mothers and fathers that they are the ones who are supposed to be doing everything and working and looking glamorous and, you know, never complaining. And that's yeah. just a completely unrealistic system. So when do you think it's funny you mentioned, you know, the cousins and the grandmas and the grandpas and the next door neighbor? When, you know, when do you think that changed? Because, you know, I, I didn't grow up with, you know, everyone around that much. But I did, you know, my husband and I talk about this a lot. We I, I grew up with cousins who... Yeah, on the weekends, I saw them, and certainly in the summer, and my husband, wow, I, I always, you know, I envy him. He lived with his cousins down the street. He could walk to them, the grandma and grandpa, mm-hmm. they saw every weekend. Like, it was really, I joke around, I said it was Norman Rockwell. But we live, you know, an hour and a half from my parents, which is really, I know it sounds like quite a luxury, but it's still, it's, we don't see them that often. And they're, I mean, I'm getting very personal, but they're, you know, they had me when they were older and I'd waited till I was in my late thirties to have a child. So it's not that, you know, mom, come over and take care of the baby. Like, you know, that's not going to happen. And my husband's parents live six hours away and yeah, Mm -hmm. we don't have people around the corner like that. So for us, I feel like it's a very individual um, situation, but again, I didn't have you want to talk about my personal, this is my personal therapy session. I want to talk about a broader situation, the the Norman Rockwell kind of uh, like scenario you're talking about still f- doesn't feel like what a lot of my friends have. When did that change? And I grew up in the 80s, you know? Well, you're so right to talk about Norman Rockwell because he was doing his work in the 30s and 40s and 50s. And it was really after World War II that every there was this housing boom and everybody got their own house. And the the idea that you would move away from the little farm or the town where you grew up uh, became a normal a normal goal. Uh, as a pediatrician in Los Angeles for decades, I saw so many people from Iowa and Illinois and Ohio who couldn't wait to escape and come to Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Same thing you see as in New York City. Yeah. But then when they have a child, they go, wow, you know, for me, childhood means running down the street and the big trees and the playground mm-hmm. and having my cousins and they kind of felt like salmon needing to go back upstream. And, and I <laughs> saw many, many families who left because they said, listen, 
this doesn't feel right as the right place to raise my kids. But for so many of us, we're already stuck in a job in a location and we've got an apartment or a house and we're not going to be moving back to, you know, to Nebraska. And, and because of that, we've lost that support network. So it really was the 1950s that things started to shift a lot. Interesting, interesting. So let's talk about um, the the exhaustion that you were that you were mentioning, mm-hmm. or that, that I was that I actually kicked off the show saying I'm so tired. Can you talk to me a little bit about sleep and that feeling of really just being drained? I mean, is it really just about the hours clocked in sleep, or is it like that that kind of it's a little bit kind of an all-consuming fatigue. That's what I feel. And that's what I really talk to some of my friends about. It's not mm-hmm. just about getting that, you know, good that good eight hours, which just feels completely elusive. But it's just kind of an all-consuming, you know. Yeah, yeah just mal- uh, kind of malaise. Yeah, sucking, your, <laughs> sucking your energy, yeah. Yeah. Is that normal? Is this like, is this just like kind of part of the deal? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's normal for kids to require an enormous amount of energy. You, when you have a two, you have an almost two-year-old, going yeah. to work for eight hours would be a vacation, right? I mean, because <laughs> toddlers are nonstop. You, you, you know, it's not like you can sit them in, in front of, you know, uh, a coloring board for two hours and they're just going to entertain themselves. It doesn't work that way. And so it's very time consuming when you're taking care of little kids. And that's why we always delegated it to 14-year-old girls because they had they wanted to play mommy and they had the energy to do that. You know, now um, most, of a, most of the young parents, especially people like yourself who waited a little bit longer. I'm in New York right now because my daughter just gave birth and she's 38. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we're, you know, it, it's, it's hard on the body. You're, you've got less energy than you used to have when you were 20 years younger. But what's really interesting is that it's going to be hard work no matter what. I mean, they're just time consuming. And so you need to have an entourage. I'd love you to speak to that a little bit more because sometimes I joke around and I say like, oh, I waited too long. And I don't really mean that. It's just kind of a little like joke that I make. But mm-hmm. I don't really want to dig into that too much because I, I had a child when for me, it was appropriate. But sometimes I do wonder as somebody who had a kid, you know, I guess I don't even know what the average is now because sometimes I hear that the average is, you you would know. When is the average that people have a, a child now? I think it's in the late 20s. I mean, if you look oh, at God, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> So I'm right. Okay. It's yeah. okay. Late 20s. So I, I, I had one 10 years after and I think maybe I'm really tired because I I'm doing this later. Is that a factor? It's definitely a factor. Absolutely. But it isn't enough. I mean, you could be 22 and exhausted also because ultimately, I mean, the one thing that you have that you waited longer is you had greater maturity. You weren't wasting time, quote unquote, you know, doing things that maybe you didn't have to do or you had a little bit more affluence so you were able to afford helpers or, you know, ways of kind of being more efficient. But the truth of the matter is that it takes a lot of energy to, to take care of little kids. And, and again, it's not, it was never really a parent's job. I know that sounds odd, but it was always your eight-year-old who was taking care of your three-year-old and your five-year-old, you know, and while you were busy doing other things, 
your eight-year-old was playing, you know, follow the leader and, you know, let's yeah. run around the yard 50,000 times. So there's a real <laughs> shift in the culture. And that's put a burden on parents. But the, th- the hard thing is that parents have bought into that and thinking, well, that's right. I should be everything to my child. And I should never put them in a daycare setting or I should never have other people caring for my baby. And that's completely bizarre and abnormal because we've always had people helping to care for our babies through the years. So what should we do to kind of alleviate, um, you know, instead of me kind of moaning and groaning and being like, yeah, you know, it really stinks that our families live so far away and we're kind of in it alone in isolation, even more so during COVID. And it is, you know, it can be very draining and very isolating. What you mentioned daycare, you mentioned, you know, um, I guess uh, having people help, but what in practice does that mean? What do you tell uh, people who come to you and say, you know, it's, it's just me, it's just me and my partner. Right. How, 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 can, how can we sort of build that village? So that has been so freaking difficult during COVID. That's one of the mm. things that COVID really shot people in the foot because, or in the leg, uh, because they real, it suddenly put the lie to the whole system that we have which is you can just work and delegate those responsibilities and you can pay almost nothing for people taking care of your baby because it's such a a low-skilled job. Well, it turns out it's very important the way we raise young children. And a dollar invested in the first three years is equal to $8 invested in graduate school or something like that. It's much more return for the investment. And one of the things we're learning from this whole COVID experience is how we need to invest in childcare and need to support young parents we invest much less than almost every other country in the in the first world in terms of supporting parents taking care of young kids. I saw that going around Instagram today, just by coincidence, the, mm-hmm. uh, of, I don't want to say a meme, a graphic, you know. Yeah, there was an article shows, in the New York yeah. Times yesterday. Yeah. That's probably what it was, which is showing yeah. that compared to, you know, England, France, Ireland, Scandinavia, et cetera, we're at the bottom of the barrel, which, which, is a problem because we also are expecting men and women to go go out and work. And one mm. of the interesting things of the last 50 years is more and more women are in the workplace. And that's given our culture and economy an enormous treasure. Think of all of those brilliant women who are on the sidelines raising their kids. Not that there's anything wrong with being home raising your kids, but you can mm. imagine that influx of ingenuity and and purpose coming into the economy. And it's, it's created a, a tremendous amount of, uh, of additional strength in our economy. Having said that, it's created a need for an infrastructure. That infrastructure used to be a baby. I mean, you know, today, if you have a nanny, you're, you're wealthy. Yeah. But 100 years ago, you had five nannies, this extended family. And so daycare settings, babysitters, you know, on-job you know, baby, um, um, infant care settings, all of that are things that we need to invest in just the way we're investing in roads and bridges, because this is a social infrastructure that's as important as the, as the, you know, the hard infrastructure that we talk about. Are you optimistic that things are going to change? Oh yeah, I am very optimistic about it. Because if you look at the last 50 years, we see a a significant change. Yes, there are problems and stresses, but we recognize that we need to, 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 respond to those stresses. I tell you, one of the things I see, and I was just talking to my daughter about this the other day, is that you you don't think about this when you have a baby, but you immediately have to go sign up for good, you know, preschool because oh, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Did you have yeah. to do that? A preschool? Not yet. She's in daycare right now. Uh-huh. But have you signed up for a preschool? No, you're giving me a panic attack. No, oh, no. my gosh. Yeah, you're, you're a year and a half late. <laughs> Get off this podcast and immediately. I got to go. It's been so great talking to you. I know. Really, bye. See ya. <laughs> In truth, there, there, you know, many, many communities. There's really a waiting list for getting in good, good daycare because, because we don't have enough of it, and partly we don't have enough because we don't spend enough in training people and we don't pay people enough. And so, one of the realizations here is that we need to do more. Hey, listen, one of the things, um, one of the things we do with you, you were so kind to mention Snoo, which is this robotic kind of a baby bed. Explain what the snoo is because people said snoo to me 45 times when I was pregnant. I was like, the schmoo, the snoo, the boo. Like, and then finally I got what it was. And then it really was as good as as it it made a big difference. And this is not a plug for the snoo. Okay. Because it's a a really nice thing. Just tell people what the snoo is. Okay. So snoo is a responsive baby bed. It rocks and shushes babies all night. When they're upset, <laughs> it responds with more motion and sound, imitating what you would do with a crying baby in your arms. You would bounce up and down more. You would shush louder. And then it also secures babies on the back so they cannot roll to an unsafe position. Yes. That's the really important part. It is because you don't even know this when you have a baby, but suddenly when they start rolling over, it's like panic time. Like, could my yeah. baby get into danger? Because 3,500 babies... Which is 3,500, that's the number of Americans who died in 9-11. But that happens every year, 3,500 babies die, 10 a day, all across the United States, in their sleep. Half of them roll over and get on the stomach, which is unsafe. And half of them, as terrible as it sounds, they die in bed with their parents, which is just the worst tragedy you could possibly imagine. What we're proud of with SNU is we secure them on the back and we rock and shush them all night. And what we've seen is we're adding one to two hours to the baby's sleep at night, which sounds miraculous, but actually it's exactly what you would do if you drove them in the car all night. You'd get an extra hour or two. And so that's what we see with Snoo. And then the other side of this is we keep them on the back. And so we've demonstrated we reduce the risky behaviors, the rolling to the stomach by about 95%. So we dramatically improve safety. And now what's really cool is that anyone can rent a Snoo for a little bit more than $4 a day. It's almost a Starbucks coffee. Yeah, most of the people I know rent them. Yeah, that's very common. But what's really cool now is people can get a free snoo. And the way they get a free snoo is by talking to their employer and persuading them to offer it as a benefit. Amazing. Yeah, because this is, it gives them that type of support that the the parent loves. And they're more productive because they've slept a little bit longer. So it's an incredible device. So it's it really is a game changer. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia. And guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, 
They have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset, so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area, so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good, whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence. Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X, and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less. They're $39.90. But the quality is excellent, and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Okay, everyone, I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's good. Joanna Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lattes in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just <laughs> going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. So we talk about self-care a lot on this show, but it really kind of turns up in the form of like, you know, spa treatments and, you know, face creams. But I have to tell you that the past year and a half, I really enjoy those things, but it just kind of doesn't cut it a lot. I think as a, as a, do I count as a new mom anymore? It's okay if I don't. I feel like. When is the what's the new mom cutoff? I feel like people are like you know you ain't a new mom anymore. Like she's 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 been around a while. You you know something a new every every phase that you go through makes you feel like a new mom. You know when they're entering school <laughs> when they're teenagers. So you get to always say you're a new mom. Okay, <laughs> first time mom. Okay. okay, so I feel like at some point it's like enough already. But I I feel like a new mom. As a new mom, I don't feel like. The beauty treats are nice, but this a massage ain't going to do it. And I don't have like three hours to get to the spa, flop down for the one hour massage and then come back. Like mm-hmm. there's so I need something deeper. So sleep is definitely one of them. I want to know how to get more sleep. Mm-hmm. But also there's something and I don't know if you're the guy to help me with this, but I just think it's something like there's something that just feels like quite like a little like drained. And I don't know, like if when, after you have a child, like, is there just kind of something that like you kind of can't get back? Like I look at myself and I'm like, I look different. Sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like do do patients ever say that to you? Yeah, of course. Because listen, when you're sleep deprived, you, number one, did you know that the way we train Navy SEALs and special forces to endure torture is to put them through sleep deprivation with the sound of crying babies over loudspeakers. Can you okay. believe? I mean, it's it's your everyday life when you're a new parent. That's traumatic. Yeah, it is. It's draining, and it isn't yeah. just one day. It's night after night, month after month. Yeah. On average, we we estimate that parents lose five or six full weeks of sleep in that first year, compared to mm-hmm. what they should be getting, and so that's very detrimental to your health, to your feeling of well-being. It makes you irritable. It makes, you know, leads to more marital stress. It leads to postpartum depression. And one of the things that we are studying now with SNU is the prevention and the treatment of postpartum depression because so many of the women slip into that and men slip into it for that matter as well when they're chronically sleep deprived and just overwhelmed with the responsibilities of having a young child that they have to take care of. And when can, can the postpartum depression hit you like 
months after having a baby? Like I always feel yes. like you hit, you get it right after, but w- yeah, when can it hit? What's kind of the um, the boundaries? You know, it can it can certainly hit later. And the normal thing is to happen in the beginning because that's when you're most sleep deprived. Yeah. But listen, we're all vulnerable as parents. We're vulnerable to our own criticisms. We're vulnerable to the stresses that happen in life, um, whether they're social stresses in your family or they're external stresses that are put upon your family, losing a job, all sorts of things like that. That can be this one, any one of those can be the straw that breaks the camel's back. So depression can come at any time. The good thing that we now know is depression is kind of like allergies mm. in that it's not, it's not a, a kind of an indictment of who you are as a person or your character. It is literally a biochemical imbalance that can be improved. And some people have more of a tendency to, to it than others, just like yeah. some people have more of a tendency to allergies. But I would say, just to answer your question, they... Well, number one, how how is your how is your little girl sleeping? How are you doing at night? She it's like I'm she's sleeping so much better. We had um kind of like fits and starts of her going through like sleep moments where she wasn't sleeping so well. So she's doing much better now. But when okay. we moved, we moved um from New York to Hoboken. There was a period where she was not she was sleeping like a couple of hours a night. Yeah. A lot of people have trouble moving to New Jersey, so that that could. Be <laughs> Sorry, that everyone was, in New Jersey. That was that was a New Yorker's low blow. It was it was tough. It was tough. So she yeah she would just get up and she would just like scream in my face. Right, but anyway, so so there are transitions. Sleep is not a one and done with little kids. It's a, it's a roller coaster. So you're on a good part of the roller coaster right now. Do you get yeah. to sleep when you can, or when she goes to sleep, you're doing twenty different things that you weren't able to get around to? Well, that's funny. <laughs> this is the second time. I'm, I swear to God, I'm not like an Instagram addict, but I saw another funny meme, and it was like sleep when the baby sleeps, and then it said do emails when the baby does emails. (laughs) And I was like, that is so like what, how I feel. Cause it's like when people say sleep when the baby sleeps, I want to just punch them in the face because Mm -hmm. if I slept when she slept, like on the week, I'm thinking on the weekends because she goes to daycare. I, you know, when she's at daycare, I'm working. So yeah, like I'm working, you know, my like tush off. Mm -hmm. But when she goes to sleep, let's say during the week, as soon as she's going to sleep, then I'm like cleaning up the kitchen. I'm continuing to work because I stopped working, you know, when I had to pick her up and then like it was dinner and all that. But I'm hoping other people with children can relate to this. As soon as she's napping, I'm like, it's like, it's like a timer, like the timer going down mm-hmm. of like responding to emails. Right. On oh, your market set, go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like anything that needed to be done, like since February of 2020. Mm-hmm. So when she was born. Right, right. It's the list. It's the never ending yeah. list. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's and that's again normal because you're juggling so many balls or spinning so many plates, you know. But ultimately, um, you know, like Ariana Huffington says, you know, sleep your way to the top. You know, if you're getting sleep, <laughs> you're gonna be able to do everything better. And that's yeah. a hard thing when you're when you're doing so many different things is to really prioritize. And what you're doing right now is you're prioritizing emails over your own health and, and mental resilience, which is understandable. I'm not I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying yeah. that it is a choice to be made. Yeah. Yeah. But you will feel drained. People just feel drained. Just being with a two-year-old for a couple of hours is like draining. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, and, and that's why people do meditation too, you know. 
uh, calm and headspace and those things like that, you know, have become so popular for a reason. We're just a very stressed community. Do you use it's white true. noise when you sleep? Just out of curiosity. No, I gave her my white noise machine. I suppose <laughs> we could. I suppose we could. We could swing another one. Well, I'm just saying it because for so many uh, parents, you know, their minds don't turn off when they go to sleep and they wake up and they toss and turn or they can't fall asleep easily. And white noise is a really great little tool. I know you had a conversation about sleep and beauty sleep before, but I don't know yeah. if you talked about the importance of white noise, but it's so really what, like what do you pillow. like about white noise besides the fact that like, you know, it gets it, it blocks out, you know, street sounds and stuff. What, what have you found well, about it? It blocks out, for children and adults, it blocks out external sounds or stimuli, but also internal sounds and stimuli. Your own revving of your thoughts, your perseverations, your worries, mm. you're less likely to... It's kind of like yelling when the subway is going by, right? You'll yell for <laughs> a few seconds and then you just give up because you can't out yell the subway. You, your <laughs> brain gives up trying to think of things because of the sound that's there. Having said that, there are a couple of tricks to using white noise successfully. And again, like you said, you don't have to have a baby to kind of be interested in this stuff. But number one, the white noise should be rumbly and low-pitched. High-pitched sounds are great for getting your attention. Sirens, screams, beepers, alarms, yeah. great for getting your attention, lousy for sleep. Low pitch rumbles, the sound of a plane, a train, a car, great for sleep, not so good for getting your attention. So you want low pitch rumbly sounds, even to the point where you wrap your white noise in a sweater or a sweatshirt or something to muffle it a little bit. And then you want it to be all night long, about as loud as a shower. And, and in fact, not just all night long, but when you're starting to use white noise, it's helpful to turn it on an hour before bedtime. So you have it in the background so that your brain starts ignoring it. Because when you go to bed and you turn on the white noise, it seems rather abrupt and disruptive yeah. for some people. That's interesting. I've heard, you know, sometimes like Spotify has these playlists of like, you know, old subway cars, old train cars. Mm -hmm. I wonder if those would fit the bill because you're talking about rumbling. Everybody's different. So you pick something that you like. In general, mm -hmm. the one thing I would say is nature sounds like croaking frogs and babbling brooks and ocean waves don't work as well as rain on the roof or a continuous sound that has different frequencies mixed in. In other words, it's not all shh, one sound. It kind of okay. has some, some texture to the sound. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And so what are some complaints that people complaints that people are coming to you with? Like what what's what are like the top uh top phone calls you're getting lately? So I'm interested in two things. Number one, yeah. I'm interested in solving this problem of parent exhaustion that we were talking mm -hmm. about and and infant and parent safety. So mm -hmm. one of our goals and the whole reason my wife and I started this company wasn't really because we wanted to build a, a baby bed. It was because children were dying every year and nothing was being done. I mean, over the last 20 years, you know about sleeping on the back, right? I mean, everyone yes. knows the baby should sleep on the back. And can you just quickly explain what I think most people know, but as you're here, I think it would be a missed opportunity to just say sure. why. Well, especially this month is SIDS Awareness Month. So SIDS is Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. And like I said, there are about 3,500 deaths a year. And... Part of it is mysterious. We don't know why they stop breathing. But most of the time, it's because they roll to an unsafe position, like get on their stomach, their face gets into the mattress, they just can't breathe. And they're not strong enough to turn themselves over? Like, That's is correct. that it? 
Okay. That's correct. And then they, in that position, they just kind of forget to breathe. The brain mm-hmm. is less alert and they just forget to breathe. And so the question I would have for you is, you know that, and, and almost all parents have been educated that the baby should sleep on the back. So the question is, over the last 20 years that we've been teaching that, how much has the incidence of infant sleep death gone down? 10%, 50%, 70%? I don't know. Zero percent. Zero percent. What, what's going on? Part of the reason is because when you put them on the back, mm-hmm. they don't sleep well. They tend to wake themselves up. Okay. And what happens is as an exhausted parent, you bring them into bed with you, you're cuddling, you accidentally fall asleep. Okay. Or you intentionally bring them into bed because it's the only way they'll sleep. And that creates a risk that now has negated the fact that they're on their back. And so net-net, we've seen zero reduction. That's why we're very proud with SNU that we're seeing a dramatic reduction. We, we can't really say that we're seeing reduced infant sleep death yet, although we're getting very close to that. What we can say is we dramatically reduce the number of babies who are in an unsafe position. Right. So are, are most of those, forgive me if this is what you said before, but are most of those SIDS deaths, are most of them from co-sleeping situations? Half are co-sleeping and half are the baby rolling over on the stomach in their own Okay. Okay. And so that's a big important thing for us. And we're making enormous headway with that. And we hope and expect by next year, meaning 2022, we will have FDA approval to be the world's first SIDS prevention bed. We're already the most awarded baby bed in history. We're in the Smithsonian Institution. We're in over 100 hospitals. We use it with premature babies and babies withdrawing from drugs. And we're using it for women who have postpartum depression and to prevent that. So it's all super exciting as a doctor and as someone who has been in this arena for decades trying to impact the public health. It's a very, very exciting time because we're really doing that. And we've measured now... 260 million hours of infant sleep in SNU. So we're really scaling up to where ultimately we think everyone in the country is going to get a free SNU paid for by your insurance company or by the government or something like that. So So it's an exciting time, but that's just half of it. The other half, which we're doing, I mean, anyone can come to our website, which is happiestbaby.com. And we have hundreds and hundreds of free blogs people can read and learn about not just babies, but toddlers and older children as well. And so the big thing, and this gets to what you said earlier about toddlerese, is <laughs> helping parents from eight months of age to having their kids be 93 years of age. Because ultimately, <laughs> there are real problems that parents, I mean, parents are raising kids, they've never done it before. It's like you've been in a jet plane and you go, you know, what? I've been in so many jet planes, I could probably fly this thing. Right? I mean, no, you can't. You need to learn some stuff. And just because you've seen a lot of kids and just because you're a mom doesn't mean that you automatically know how to raise children. Oh, I never seen that many kids. I didn't have any like, you know, little, I never had a little sibling. I never had any nieces or nephews. So now let me ask you a question. Did you buy books? Before Lake was born, did you buy buy books about? Well, I was young gifted three stuff? copies of Happiest Baby on the Block and one. Half. <laughs> <laughs> My so, publisher loves that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I received three of your books and about five other books, which all you know. This is you know, I think people 
can understand this. Like I, they all kind of sat with the spines like barely sure. cracked sure. because it, some of them had competing information. No offense, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. everyone has their own religion. And you know, even if you read them, Jess, you wouldn't have remembered them. No, because I was like nauseated because because mm-hmm. I was pregnant, mm-hmm. and then. We had this lady come over as soon as I was pregnant. She came for like three hours and I was like, this is how you (laughs) do everything. We paid her a few hundred dollars and then she left. And I was like, I guess now I know how to be a mom. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the interesting thing. Okay, so you did that and you kind of did your diligence, whether it's reading books or other things to be able to handle to really you want because when you have a baby, you want to be the best mom who ever lived or best dad. You want to really do it well. And that all makes sense. But here's the weird thing, and I didn't even realize this would be the case, but once you have the baby, you never buy another book the rest of your kid's life. It's like you're totally winging it. And and that's, it's okay, but honestly, it's more complicated. The baby's the easy part. Feed them, change the diaper, that's not the challenge. It's once they get to be toddlers, like your kid's age, that's the most challenging age. And that's when you are building a foundation for their mental health and their sense of intimacy for the rest of their lives. And so what I like to tell people is to watch five hours less of Game of Thrones and spend five (laughs) hours, you know, getting a good book on toddler psychology and how do you communicate with them so that you can really learn some of the skills that the best, you know, kind of uh, preschool teacher knows or the best pediatrician may know because of working with thousands and thousands of children. And so that's the big thing that I'm excited about now, because I get so many questions about parents who don't know, how do I solve temper tantrums? How do I help my toddler sleep more? How do I get them to stop saying curse words? You know, how do I toilet train them? And all these things, which are an order of magnitude more complex than, you know, changing a diaper for your for your two month old. The psychology, the more the emotional. Right. Raising raising a child who's going to be a good person in the world. That's, yeah, because that's, that's more your, important. That's then. your burden, right? That's yeah. your responsibility. And not that you should know all of that. You shouldn't, but you should go out of your way to learn about it. I start, I, I'm, I'm raising my hand, like like I'm getting points from you. I'm like, I, I am. I'm like, I really do have that book. And there is another book that, um, of course, I'm forgetting the name because I'm like scared now. I feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> I really do have the book next to my, next to my table. <laughs> and the spine is, the spine is broken. The spine has been broken, yes, and 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 I'm doing the work. Great, but yeah, no, because you want to raise compassionate, like kind children who communicative, yeah. patient. You know, they are feel purposeful and proud of themselves, but they don't feel like they're the center of all attention. And meanwhile, this doesn't happen overnight. Toddlers, you know, in Happiest Baby on the Block, the the metaphor I use is that babies are like fetuses. They need a fourth trimester of holding and rocking and shushing as if they were still in the womb for four more months. But with toddlers, the key concept is toddlers are not little children. Toddlers are freaking cavemen. They are uncivilized. Your job is to civilize them, to teach them to say please and thank you, wait in line, share their toys. This is how you eat with a spoon. And you hope by the time they're four and five that they've learned these lessons and they get to be, you know, good members of of the preschool community. The reason it's important to recognize this is because if you understand your child is a caveman or a cave girl, then that takes a lot of the pressure off of your expectations of yourself and of your child. Because you're expecting them to be perfect and you're expecting your the experience to be perfect. You're expecting exactly. everything to go swimmingly. 
And you get fooled because every once in a while there is a perfect day or there's a perfect, your child does it really right. And then you go, why don't they do this all the time? I know they can do it. And you have to understand that every day is very different for these little kids. They don't have a sense of time. It's, there's a lot of, it's hard raising a two-year-old, but it's really hard being a two-year-old. You know, if you just let her run around outside in the forest with her friends running after the dogs and chickens, she would be the happiest kid in the world and she would come home, eat and go (laughs) to sleep and it would never be a problem. But if you keep her in this abnormal environment called an apartment or a house, you're going to expect that it's a challenge for her. So anyway, but the point being that there are 20 or 30 very simple tips that literally in a day or two can make a difference in terms of their... Uh, patience and cooperation and all these things that you're trying to to improve upon, reducing temper tantrums and ultimately teaching them to be caring and compassionate members of the of the family. I, I love that. And I think um, the fact that you've distilled into, you know, just kind of tips. I, I know it's all a book that you make it so digestible. I should say book and a video because I, I find that people learn a lot more. Like when you said you had this woman into your house for three hours, people learn a lot oh, more by amazing. Watching. Yeah. yeah, it was a nurse from Mount Sinai who had a special, um, if anyone lives in New York or the New York area and uh, needs somebody like this, I'm happy to recommend her. She was a nurse from Mount Sinai who was actually um, on the floor where I delivered and she did like a like kind of a crash course and ev- not everything you need to know, but I was like, I didn't get to finish any of the books. I've never held a baby. I've never changed a diaper. Please, like, can you t- teach me your ways? And she had a, a like a service where she would come and, you know, hang out and... Mm-hmm. Clip, show me to clip the baby's nails and, you know, wipe the baby's yeah, butt that and all that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. One last thing I wanted to ask you, you know, I like that you were saying how, you know, you you know, teaching toddlers and how to teach parents not, not only to not be so hard on, I hate even saying this, like hard on the child, but, you know, release their expectations of the child, but release their expectations of themselves. And something that I've been thinking about a lot is I've been quite hard on myself. And um, I think a lot of parents have this kind of image of how things are going to be after they have a mm-hmm. child and then there's the way things are and certainly with covid you know <laughs> i don't think anyone looks at their apartment or their home or their schooling situation and thinks like this is great you know or mm-hmm. if, if they do like mazel like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're doing you know lucky you but i've had to release a lot of expectations of what motherhood, being a working mom the mm-hmm. past you know year and a half looked like and just really kind of be, be a bit easy on myself. But I've also had to accept that my life is a certain way now. It's really, it's it's good. I'm very grateful for it. I don't want anyone listening to this being like, boo-hoo, you know, like mm-hmm. things are so bad. No, they're, they're, they're fine. But I've had to accept that my life is different now. Mm-hmm. Do you find that with some of your your patients and the people that you speak with? Oh, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, because what's hard for you to do at the moment is to have perspective on this. Because you're in the... Oh, I have no perspective. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. None. But you're going to look back in three years and you're going to say, oh, my God, I survived that. That was hard. Or, you you know, just like you look back on those first months of life and it's kind of like thinking back to your high school reunion or something. You know, this is like Mm -hmm. another chapter. But now it's like what you're in is never going to end. And it's like so arduous. So it's important to try to make. And that's why when you have a second child or a third child, people go, oh, my God, they have a different perspective on things because they've been they've been, you know, to the other side. 
but, but part of it is really, really make the effort to get support. Allow your friends to bring over food or to come over to clean or to share in childcare or get an infant care or a childcare setting, a preschool that you can that your child can go to. Let me just tell you one one interesting thing. Right now we have families that are, you know, two parents and a child. Mm-hmm. Think of the relationships that are possible for that child. They can have a relationship with themselves, a relationship with the mom, a relationship with the dad, or a relationship all together. So it's like four different types of relationships. Maybe if they have a goldfish or a dog, they're going to have a few more permutations of relationships. But imagine if they had five siblings and their cousins over all the time and grandma and grandpa were there, et cetera, et cetera. It's a much richer social environment. And that helps children learn how to be social with with the whole spectrum of different personalities that they're going to be meeting with. So from that point of view, what I like parents to understand is that you're not depriving your child by sending them to daycare. You're actually enriching them. You're not... Yeah you know, um, shoveling them off to get rid of them. You're actually giving them an opportunity to learn more and to have a very rich and and exciting social experience. And so I would just say from your perspective and, and, you know, you're successful, you've, you've done well in life, you know, you've achieved. And so you have those high expectations of being just as achieving as a mom and of course you can be, but it, it doesn't happen automatically. Just because you got all A's in school doesn't mean you're going to get all A's as a mom. You can, but it takes some additional effort and learning to be able to do that. Yeah. And so get help, is the, I think, is the most important thing. You, you and I'm new it. at this. So yeah, it's like as, yeah. a, as a new mom, you're like, you're so used to doing, I've been working for 20 years. I've been like, you know, <laughs> doing the same thing. And I was like, oh, here's a new a new thing. And you're doing it on top of the other thing. So it's... Yeah. And it's complex and it's, 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 you know, 14 hours a day on top of everything else you're doing. And then you had the worrying while you're sleeping. So, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> no, it's, listen, it's a challenge. And I, I think, that, again, the message, I, I, would, I would always tell parents, I mean, when I, in my practice, I would tell them if they had a bumper sticker, it would say, be flexible or die. Thank you so much. Yeah, You've been yeah so, my pleasure. A wealth of knowledge and... I really hope that other people got something out of this the way I did. So um, I think I'm going to take your, your be flexible or die. Did I make, did I? Yeah, yeah. I'll it? tell you one more, one more that, yeah. I, that, yeah. that I think, especially in, during the Instagram generation is, is pertinent, which is the only normal family is the one you don't know very well. Because once you start asking <laughs> questions, right? You, everyone's got a story. Everyone has challenges. Everyone has issues. It looks like it's all perfect when you look at them on Instagram. But we know, scratch the surface. And, you know, people have issues that they have to deal with. And so it's it just, it's it's a good call to have some grace for ourselves and, and for the people we interact with. 1,000%. I think everyone's thinking of a family they know right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Carr. Thanks, Jess. Pleasure. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product with you or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. 
If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.